0: Hello and welcome to the NDA Podcast. My name is Justin Pierce. I'm the editor. Today's podcast is one last series called NDA Meets, where we sit down and chat to some of the most interesting people in our industry. And today is a doubleheader. I'm joined by Richard Otterway from share and Harvin Gupta from Scope3. So we're going to sit down and talk a bit about sustainability, what's happening in the market, how it's being addressed, and how Richard's partnership with Harvin's company is helping change things. Before we get into the discussion, let's have a quick intro from each of you. Uh, Richard, do you want to tell us who you are, where you work and what you do there?
1: Sure. Thanks, Justin. So, yeah, I'm Richard Ottoy. I'm the GM of uh, Sharethrough and EMEA. I joined the business back in March and uh, my remit is to help grow the business over here in EMEA. Uh, We started off in the UK and we're going to start to expand uh, a little bit further next year into other
2: markets like France and Germany. Amazing. Thank you. And Harvin? Hi, I'm Harvin and I head up commercial partnerships at Scope3. So I spend my time talking about sustainability and mainly speaking to SSPs, DSPs, ad networks and publishers.
0: So sustainability in the ad tech industry, it, it couldn't be hotter. I think probably about the last 18 months it's really ramped up. Two years ago, I guess it wasn't a subject under much discussion. You've Recently formed a partnership, Scope Three and and Share Three. Do you want to tell me a bit about that partnership? How was how and why it was formed?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So, as a business, as a as an SSP, we see a huge amount of supply that comes into our marketplace on a on a daily basis, and so we're always looking at how can we optimize that inventory that we see. We want to make sure that we are processing on the inventory that's going to be of value to our buyers, uh, and we are filtering out any traffic that just basically isn't going to monetize. And so there's a couple of reasons why we do that. One is we obviously want to uh, be good partners to our buyers and make sure we're just sending them the inventory that they're going to be interested in. But also by then applying that sort of optimization and that filtration, it enables us to manage our own infrastructure costs because of the sheer volume that we see. And so by doing this, we also notice that not only do we reduce the infrastructure costs on our business, but we also realize that we also reduce the carbon emissions, our own carbon footprint um, as a marketplace. So so this got us thinking, could we build a product that enables buyers or brands to run uh, campaigns at net zero, but without that harming campaign performance? And so we, uh, we started talking with Scope 3 last year. Uh, we started a partnership where we're bringing in all of their carbon emission data into our platform. And so that, um, that enabled us to start building out our green media products and taking that to market. And uh, yeah, so now with that carbon emission data, it enables us to really sort of measure and calculate what we need to do and how we can work with buyers to decarbonize those campaigns
0: okay harvin obviously scopefully was set up to address this this very problem do you want to tell us a bit about i mean rich has given us the, the top line i guess but why is this such an issue in AdTech, and i also why has it only come to the sort of public forefront recently do you think
2: yeah that's a really good question i think ad tech's always had a hidden sustainability problem and it's only now that that's coming to the fore and you know, I first when I first heard about the sustainability issue in ad tech, I sort of didn't really believe it because you don't see the emissions in the same way as you do with travel or even with print. You know, with print you can kind of understand where the emissions are coming from. In our world, you you kind of don't don't really stop to think about it, but actually when we talk about things like big data, we talk about the cloud, data centers, these are all things that consume huge amounts of energy. And actually our industry is such a big data industry, it's so heavy on infrastructure and on data centers. And and this is where the problem's coming from. So I think if you take a step back and actually start to think about how complex ad serving is, this idea of picking an ad, uh, matching an audience, a bid in an auction, there's actually a whole host of technology and lots of different partners that, that kind of make that happen. And that's what's causing the problem. So I think you can say, actually, if you start to unpick this industry, the way it's structured today is incredibly inefficient, which is bad for the environment. But it's an opportunity because the opportunity is right. Well, if we can fix this, actually, we can make a significant impact just by sort of changing the way we work. and And the first step of that is obviously measurement. You know, we're a hugely data-driven industry. So that's why the first thing we wanted to do at Scope 3 was to be able to provide the numbers. Because once we've got the numbers, you can quantify the problem. And that means we can go from it being a hidden problem to being an explicit problem, one that's measured. And now that we've got the numbers, we can start to work towards reduction.
0: I guess, is for you, I mean, measurement is, is kind of all you've ever done in a way throughout your career in this industry. So it must have been quite attractive if Scope 3 is putting measurement at the top of it. It makes it an easier sell to someone like you, I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I think there's lots of companies and ourselves included that are aware that sustainability is becoming a a bigger problem and there's a a huge amount of emissions now that are being emitted from our industry. Um, But a a lot of companies don't necessarily really know where to start and kind of how they can look at their own business uh, and and also a a company like ourselves, how we can help our partners as well and understanding their carbon footprint and then what they can do to reduce that down. Um, and then just also to to add to to Harvin's point about, um, you know, the emissions that are coming from our industry and stuff like that, and how big a problem this is this has become. Um, today, the the internet. So this is not just dig, digital advertising. This is the entire internet is now contributing around four percent of global CO two emissions, which is huge. Uh, that's actually bigger than the aviation industry. Um, and, uh, and just to put that into some further perspective, one million impressions from a campaign will generate one metric ton of CO2. So Is- basically
0: one impression will generate one gram of CO2. It is kind of unbelievable. When I remember I first interviewed Amy Williams at Goodloop about a year ago, and she mentioned this fact the internet industry is, uh, has a bigger common footprint than the airline industry. I just thought, I, it's, you can't believe it. This is just advertising on the internet. It's something I think that's really hard to grasp. I mean, is, is that a challenge you find, Harvin, when you're going to talk to people and sort of pushing the scope through this message? It really
2: doesn't make sense to a lot of people. I think that's changing. So, you know, I joined in May and the amount of... I think that the kind of industry's changed a lot even since I joined in that short time because I think we've been quite vocal. Um, but actually, if you look at what's happening in society and, and, you know, the wider world, there's a real push towards green. So I think people are starting to want to educate themselves and they want to understand, you know, the, the what impact they have and, and the industry that they work in and the business that they're working for. So, you know, I think things are changing and then people are, you know, educating themselves about the problem which is a really you know it's a really good first step i think
0: so one quite interesting richard is i guess you talked about your partners and clients and all the various different companies you work with and how helping them understand this so how important is this new relationship to those relationships and to your company overall you know is it now becoming a point of differentiation
1: yeah 100 absolutely um as I mentioned, lots of companies now are in a position where they start to understand their carbon footprint. I'd imagine lots of companies are working with scope three as that measurement partner to understand, you know, their emissions as a business. But from what I'm seeing and from what I'm hearing, I don't think there's many companies out there that necessarily know where to start in order to start to reduce uh, so we're definitely working with a lot of our partners, whether that's on the sell side or on the buy side, to help them reduce down their carbon emissions as a business, uh, primarily through the campaigns that they're running. But we're because of that emission data, we also now can start to work with them to help them understand what their carbon footprint is and what changes they could make to their business to become more efficient. And I think one of the challenges that we have as an industry over the years, um, as... Uh, as, as an ecosystem, we've created a huge number of different supply paths in order to try and monetize a user on a given website. And the reason for that is because there's a number of different uh, sort of micro auctions that take place during that uh, within that supply path. So the DSP, they conduct their own auction. They're determining from that bid request who the user is, who it's most applicable for for their advertisers, and the bid that they then want to respond with. The SSP is then running their own auction to determine all of those bids that they're seeing, who's the most eligible buyer and the strongest price, and they're submitting that. And then the final auction takes place within the publisher's ad server. And so as a result of that, from a publisher's perspective, there's not enough liquidity within their ad server. You know the SSPs are only returning one bid at a time, if at all, because they don't respond 100% of the time, and so publishers, in order to continue to grow their revenue, they've added more and more partners, um, and also then to get, because there isn't enough liquidity, to bring in more pricing into their ad server so they can start to understand the value of their audiences, which is hugely useful for them, because then they start to understand, right, which particular audiences are um, valuable to which buyers and which brands and things like that, and they can start to form partnerships. But as a result of that, by adding more and more partners, that's creating a huge number of supply paths for a given request, potentially thousands. Um, and so, obviously, that's why I think sustainability has become such a
2: big problem today. It, it also shows the connection between kind of fixing for sustainability and a very closely related topic, which is buyers looking at SPO and trying yes. to figure out mm-hmm. the best path to supply. But the flip side as well, publishers, thinking about demand path optimization, because if you're a publisher and you're thinking through, okay, I need to start reducing my carbon footprint, what's the most impactful thing I can do? Well, thinking through the, the different demand paths that you make open can have a significant impact on your, your kind of carbon footprint.
0: So what, I mean, I get SPO, DPO that essentially that is kind of doing the doing the job in, in a way, uh, Sort of as as a secondary benefit to to making more money, I guess. But Richard, you, you talked about helping your partners do things differently, reduce the carbon footprint. Give me some real world examples. What what can should they be doing? What do you see happening?
1: Um, so, because of the uh, emission data that we have that now sits within our platform. Part of that is to then obviously calculate what the emissions will be for a given campaign and then what we need to do to compensate for that campaign so it can run at net zero. So that's part of that. But then also, how do we continue to utilise that emission data to help our partners? So as an example, um, in the not-too-distant future, we'll be able to start providing benchmarking reports to our publishers to say, right, based on the data that we see, this is your carbon footprint as a business, and this is how this compares to your peer set. So if you're a news brand, this is your carbon footprint as a business, and all of the other news brands that we see within our marketplace and the emission data that we have against them, this is how you compare to them. And if you're greater than that benchmark, you probably want to start doing something about it, because it will get to the point, if we're not there already, where publishers will it will start to harm their revenue because they're either being removed from plan or whatever it might be so um yeah if they're being too wasteful then it's going to start to harm harm revenue. when
0: you say do something about it what should they do
1: so there's a number of things they could do and, and and obviously given what i've just said about the number of supply paths that are being created by the publishers it doesn't mean you have to start culling partners but you could just look at how your web page is being loaded so uh it could be that you've got really old pixels, whether it's social widgets or analytics pixels or whatever it might be that have been there for a really long time. No one's really looked at it. But of course, every time that web page loads, those pixels are firing. And that is consuming energy, which in turn will obviously um, admit CO2.
0: What do you think about that benchmarking idea, Harvin? Is that a way to push things forward, do you think?
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's really powerful and I think it makes a lot of sense. So I reckon we're going to start to see two things happen one we're going to start to see spend move from high carbon to low carbon sites and hopefully that that kind of looks more like a sin bin than a a permanent ban it sort of says your your, your carbon's too high to be on the plan but we want to give you the opportunity to do something about this to bring you back Um, and then I think more spend is going to go towards green media products like what share through offers where the campaign is measured and then the carbon's compensated for so I think we are going to start to see that spend shift So if that's the case, it's really important as a publisher, you can understand where do you sit in this sort of dynamic. Are you high carbon? Are you low carbon? And exactly like you said, start to take steps to address that. Um, There's always more that could be done. And, And what Richard talked about, auditing the site, getting rid of all the pixels that are unnecessary. That's huge. Other things are potentially things like lazy loading ads. If you don't need an ad, don't request it you know, cutting down the number of auctions, and then potentially even thinking through, so Richard, you talked about culling um, demand paths. Well, maybe what what publishers can do is rather than turning off SSPs, it can be to actually think how many times are you calling the same SSP? Has it been called from Google Open Bidding, and from Prebid, and from Amazon TAM, and from some sort of Prebid server? You could be in a situation where you're calling the same SSP multiple times for one impression, and actually the the DSPs don't like that either. So if you look at what the trade desk is doing, which is you know saying, well, actually, we're only going to listen to one request per impression. So I think that's, that's the direction industry is going. And so anything the publisher can do to help them understand where they are and then optimize from there, I think is really valuable.
1: We're, we're um, not just the, dra- the trade desk, we're actually starting to see that a lot more now as well where the buy side, whether that's a DSP or even now agencies, are wanting to exclude certain paths to the supply because there is, there is a lot of duplication out there. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, there is one opportunity on a website to advertise to that user, um, but obviously as a DSP or as a, as a buyer within an agency, you're going to see lots of, uh,
2: lots of requests coming through that, that yeah, often are, uh, are duplicated. Yeah, one of the graphics that we have that we can use our data to pull is basically like a, it's almost like a node graph. So if you imagine you've got the publisher on one side and you've got the DSPs on the other, we can sort of show everything that's going on in the middle. So you can see all of the reselling that's taking place. You can see all of the different supply paths that are open. And then you'll be able to see, okay, for each one of these supply paths, What's the carbon looking like? And then from there, hopefully publishers have the tools that they can start to really deeply analyze things like what's going on, how is their inventory being sold, what supply paths have they made open and what's the implications of those?
0: So let's talk a bit about the different plays in the ecosystem. Uh Richard, you mentioned agencies and publishers and tech companies and, and clients. We're going to talk about the advertisers themselves in a second, but Everyone has a. Everyone's culpable, I guess. Here, everyone's playing a part, and it's such a complex ecosystem. But essentially, it breaks down to advertisers, publishers, tech companies, agencies. Really. So, Rich, to start with you. I mean, who, in terms of responsibility, without sort of pointing fingers, but who has the biggest responsibility? Who should be acting faster? Who should be, you know, under the microscope more? I mean, I think at the end of the day, everybody has a, an
1: equal responsibility here to uh, create a more efficient industry. Um obviously the publishers I think as we've mentioned need to look at how their web page is loading, the partners that they're using, is there any reselling that's going on that isn't necessary and all those kind of things? But I think ultimately the advertisers or the agencies, the the the, the companies or the personnel that are responsible for that spend, looking at how that spend is flowing through those supply paths um, to making sure that it's the most efficient path through to that
0: end user. I, I- haven I mean, what are you seeing on all the different players who who, who are you seeing take the the most sort of interesting or effective or
2: biggest steps here well i think the the thing to remember is that a lot of advertisers have made net zero commitments so i think it's something like 80% of the FTSE 100 so these are the largest advertisers in the UK they've made commitments to be net zero often by 2030 which is actually not that far away at all. So uh, scarily close. So if they if, if a company commits to be net zero, it doesn't just apply to the, the company itself, it applies to their supply chain. So if they're buying a particular publisher's domain through a particular piece of ad tech, well that, that represents their supply chain. So if they if they want to live up to their commitments, if they really want to hit those goals. They need to find a way of decarbonizing not just their own business, but the people that are supplying them, the suppliers that they're working with. So I think that's kind of what's driving all of this, because ultimately, it's the advertiser, the brand that has the budget, and that budget gives them influence. They might not necessarily be responsible for the carbon directly. It's their supply chain. It's not their direct business. But the fact that they have these budgets and they can use those budgets to kind of influence the type of behavior they want to see makes advertisers in a really powerful position, which has always been the case in this industry. So the ones that have made these commitments, now that they've got the tools and the kind of things like green media products, are the, the, the products are available for them to start to actually show, well, this is my plan. This is how I'm going to decarbonize my supply chain. I think that's sort of really powerful and that's driving everything because once the budgets are in place, ad tech will follow and publishers will follow. We always do
0: true i mean richard it's a good point sort of you follow the money things over the years there has been kind of uh, an issue in the background is that the programmatic industry and the is quite opaque and do advertisers really understand it? and yes more and more advertisers do understand it now cmos do cmos do but is there an issue in terms of the the, the lack of transparency or, or the the complexity of this market and this issue to get advertisers behind it and do as Harvin Harvin says, to put pressure on the rest of the ecosystem?
1: Yeah, I think... um, I I don't think it's necessarily a question of complexity, although obviously we have created somewhat of an opaque industry and obviously there's lots of uh, reselling that takes place and and duplication and things like that. I think at the moment it's probably a question of um, companies don't necessarily know where to start and also... They're worried that some of these efforts might actually impact campaign performance because all of these efforts come at a cost.
0: That's a good point. So why don't they impact campaign performance?
1: Well, I think so some of the uh, some of the research that we've conducted at the start of the year actually showed that consumers now are expecting far more from brands in terms of their efforts to become more efficient and reduce down their carbon emissions and so they're becoming a lot more uh, responsive to those brands they are favoring brands that are doing a lot more to reduce down their over uh, their overall carbon footprint so i think if that is clear to the audience that you're trying to um you're trying to reach then your campaign performance isn't
2: going to be affected I think there's an opportunity here for advertisers as well. So let's take something like made-for-advertising websites. You know, the kinds of websites that haven't got any unique content, they've often got a ton of ads, all with high viewability, all above the fold, that type of stuff. These sites don't perform. right? They're they're not the kinds of sites that real users are engaging with in a sort of impactful environment. They're, They're made for advertising. Now, if you can cut those from a plan, that has an impact on carbon because... Yeah, there's a lot of carbon going into buying those sites, um, but if they're not performing, then that's worthless. It's, it's carbon that's expended without any any gain. So a small, well, not a small thing, but a thing an advertiser can do is say, okay, I'm going to go through my inclusion list with a fine-tooth comb, and I'm going to cut anything that looks like made for advertising. That's going to impact performance. It's going to have a positive impact on performance. It's also going to reduce carbon
1: yeah so to that, to that point about um inclusion lists i think what we will start to see certainly next year is um buyers will obviously have their inclusion lists and the environments that they're happy to uh, run their campaigns on and we're going to start to see that that's going to be overlaid by a green list so those that, that that carbon data that emission data will start to form those um sort of campaign uh, planning and, and activation
2: yeah absolutely absolutely
0: what about the trade bodies the trade bodies are- they play an important role the IPA the IEB, et cetera et cetera. What role are they playing are they are they are they on top of this are they making efforts you know efforts to force change as much as they some as can Harvin?
2: yeah I think so um the The thing that trade bodies can do is they can act as conveners you know they can get the right people in the room and structure the conversation so that's exactly what we 're seeing we're seeing um you know people like Adnet zero um I think they're going to really accelerate next year in, in their kind of global footprint. Um, so I think people like that can really drive difference. What do you think, Rich, in terms of the trade breaks? They are another important player in this ecosystem.
0: Do you think they're on top of this?
1: Uh, I think they've now just started to sort of lean into this to understand, right, what is the industry doing? And ultimately, I think they want to make sure that there's standardisation across the industry in terms of how... Um, Emissions are are measured, and and what businesses are doing to then ultimately try and reduce those down. Uh, and of course, they want to try and help everyone within uh, within the ecosystem. But yeah. um, but I think from what I can see, and I might be wrong in this, but yeah, they've only just really sort of
2: started to to lean into this. That standardisation piece is so important to what we're doing because for me, that's a real risk. If we fragment, um, then we start to not be able to talk to each other if we have different currencies and different language we have different ways of measuring carbon, different methodologies, that really becomes problematic. Because if I say, I've reduced my carbon by this much, but you're measuring carbon in a completely different way, we no longer can have a sensible conversation and we can no longer make sensible trade-offs and and sensible decisions. So I think the real value that they can offer is this idea around standardization and Mm. standard methodology, standard measurement, standard currency make it easier for this stuff to happen exactly yeah
0: so what about the other side of i've uh, talked about clients and you talked about inclusion lists and sort of the you know the macro forces but what about things like procurement and rfps and rfis and i guess you we saw this in terms of this is around diversity in our industry and and big big clients being awarded on the back of diversity schools you know so the, and money changes things so Bridget, what do you see in terms, in terms of those those forces Yes, in terms
1: of the RFIs that are coming through, we're starting to see these kind of things form part of those RFIs. So um, companies wanting to know what we're doing to reduce our own carbon emissions, uh, but ultimately also how we can help them in reducing their carbon emissions. So we're starting to see that. Um I think that's going to grow significantly in uh, in
2: 2023. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's already grown. Um, so I spend a lot of time talking to publishers um, and to ad tech. And, and what I'm hearing is they're receiving a ton of different RFPs and Actually, what I'm hearing is sometimes the the questions aren't aren't really answerable. Uh, they don't often make a lot of sense. Oh, and what what way? What, what do you mean? I think just I, th- I think there's a, we talked about education. I think there's still a long way to yeah. go educating both the buy side and the sell side. Um, and one, that's that's kind of what we're trying to do at Scope Three. And the other thing we're trying to do is um, help publishers and ad tech actually answer the RFI questions by giving them the data that they need and the tools that they need so they can structure a, a, a kind of coherent, sensible answer to those questions. Back to that standardisation process. Yep. Everyone has the same answers. Yep. What
0: about? I mean, everything we're saying today is overlaid by the fact there's a, a lot going on in the outside world. You know, there's a recession looming. There's there's a war going on. You know, the world's an uncertain place. And although both of you point to the fact that if you get this right, it saves money, it makes us more efficient, everyone's happy. But obviously there can be a cost to this. There's a cost to diversity initiatives. There's a cost to doing better, to doing well. So do you think, i and start with you, are there any worries that, you know, people are tightening their belts and just to get through to the next few months, get through to the next quarter, is that going to affect brands and agencies and the whole industry's willingness to to address these issues, do you think?
2: I don't think it will, and I I sincerely hope it doesn't. Um, But I don't think it will, because exactly like you said, I think we should be looking at sustainability as an opportunity rather than a threat. And... I mean, I guess there will be winners and losers, but I I genuinely believe if you're a publisher or if you're an ad tech player, that sustainability is a fantastic opportunity for you to to build a differentiation around your business and to build products that, we had a market really once like going back to what i said about these brands that have made climate commitments well they're unconditional climate commitments they're not i commit to be net zero but yeah. if these things happen then you know so if we trust brands and we think that they're going to take those commitments seriously which is from everything i can see the majority of them are then i think we should assume that sustainability is an opportunity And and we also talked about some of the other benefits so you know really small things if we talk about getting getting rid of unwanted pixels off your site Well, what impact does that have? It means your page loads faster, you have better user experience. Often, everything we talk about in sustainability has positive business implications outside of sustainability. Um, But sustainability is such an important topic that it drives change in all the other areas. It kind of means that, you know, a publisher might think, well, getting rid of those pixels isn't my number one priority for engineering. Because it's now part of the sustainability conversation it does become much more important. So I think it can drive the kinds of behaviour that are going to be positive for the business across the entirety of the business and sustainability as well.
1: And just to um, also to touch on uh, the point you made, obviously, about these commitments. uh, And Harvin, I think you also mentioned about the date 2030. So a lot needs to be done over the next six years, right? And there's been a lot of scientists uh, climate uh, experts and all these kind of people who have said that a lot needs to be done by 2030 and 2050 and and the reason for that is by 2030 these experts have said that we need to halve our carbon emissions as a as a planet and then also by 2050 we need to be at net neutral in order to control global warming so it's not a question of you know cost or anything like that it's a question of these commitments have been made and these things have to be done so also from from our industry all of these little things that we can do in terms of understanding our carbon footprint as a business what we can do to reduce that whether it's page low speeds or the paths that you choose or the partners that you work with or whatever it might be um all of these things are going to really help in terms of you know, us
0: reaching our goals by these certain dates so it's, yeah it's hugely important okay so in terms of um uh what's happening the effectiveness of what's happening?' talk about different parts of the ecosystem, but I'm interested what's the what are the differences geographically I mean we're sitting in london uh, I guess you you both operate in business that sort of straddle the globe, but what are the differences between the u k and America and you know, the middle east or what are the differences? Are there areas of the world that are particularly far ahead here and or do because are in because are in internet because in, because our industry is by default global Does that help make things easier to change. Richard, what are you saying? Yeah, from what I'm seeing, I think uh, the UK is probably a
1: little bit further ahead than the US or the rest of the world um definitely seeing a lot more in terms of that education on ad tech's impact on our climate and that is also then being mirrored in terms of what we're seeing from brands and agencies um you know asking about our sustainability solutions and things like that so i would say the uk seems to be a little bit further ahead but i would imagine you know all of the other markets will catch up very, That's very right. quickly.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would say UK, France has a very advanced climate conversation. Australia um, had a, a recent step change in their attitude towards the climate, um, which has been great to see. And, you know, even when I joined in May, the kind of sentiment was that the US is a bit behind. But actually, I think they've caught up really fast. I think potentially had a bit of a Trump hangover that they've, they've now started to get past. Um, so the the conversations I'm having with folks in America, I think, are rapidly you know coming onto par with, with what I'm speaking to in Europe. I also uh, heard recently that in France, they're,
1: across some of the major cities around France, they're currently trialling not running digital out of home after 10 o'clock at night. Okay. Just to see, again, what impact that has. Um, mm, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see a lot of things like that sort of being trialled and, and tested over the next
0: uh, sort of 12, 24 months. So the, the one thing that's globally uh, sort of significant everywhere is the change in generations. We've got a new generation now. And also what's the same everywhere is that talent is difficult. You know, everyone's staffing up, people find it hard, hard to find staff. And we know from all the research done that different generations, the millennials and Gen Z now, the, environmental concerns are paramount so they understand now they're more they're more questioning brands more questioning everything in their lives so i guess do these sort of moves towards sustainability from both of you make it potentially easier to get people on board with your own company richard
1: yeah i think so i think uh, as i say in terms of that education that's definitely uh, come through a lot over the last uh, couple of years Uh, i don't know if they're providing education around these things at school and things like that. But definitely I think people are becoming a lot more conscious and, um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you talk about your know, sort of hiring talent and things like that, that these start to form people's questions when yeah. they come in. And definitely what I'm seeing at the moment because of the um, the recruitment market, you kind of almost get a sense that you're being interviewed yeah. rather <laughs> than the other way around. And you're interviewing a candidate for your for your business. Um, and so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if people start asking these questions about what you're doing to try and be more efficient and more
0: um, sort of climate friendly. Yeah, yeah fascinating where the forces come from. And yeah, they're coming from people
2: that are interviewing you you for a job and vice versa. What are you seeing, honey? So from the brands that we talk to, we're hearing that sustainability is a retention and a recruitment issue. Okay. And um, exactly like you're saying, the younger generation, this is really important for them. And they don't want to work for companies where they feel... This going in the wrong direction. They, they want to feel proud of what they're doing. They want to work for purpose driven, mission driven companies. And sustainability is a, a huge part of that. So um, definitely, I think it's it's a, it's a key thing for a brand to be able to say, this is one of the benefits of working with us. You know, we are taking sustainability seriously.
0: Fantastic. Look, we've covered loads of ground coming towards again. So I don't know what I'd like to get from both of you. You're, look, you're both at the forefront of this. You're companies are coming to both doing amazing work in this space and it's far more than lip service. But what would, do you want to see in the next year, next six months? Give me a timeline. What do you want to see achieved with this frame in our industry? Richard, I'm starting with you.
1: Yeah, I think for next year, I think now a lot of companies now understand what their emissions are as a, as a business. Um, I think a lot has been done in that area, but next year, what I would like to start, or what I would like to see, is lots of companies now start to actively try and reduce their emissions. Now that they understand what that is, and I think that's something that we will see accelerate next year. Um, so, and, and obviously, Sharethrough and Scope Three are working with a lot of brands and agencies to help clean up me- media. Um, so, I expect this to yeah grow significantly next year. How
0: optimistic are you? You, you, you obviously are cause of what you're doing at Sharethrough, but I mean, how optimistic? for the next year what's going to be achieved in 12 months can anything really be achieved in such a short time frame
1: yeah, good question. I mean, to what extent I don't know. Uh, I would just like to see a good amount of spend going through green media products because mm-hmm. I think that is a start. And I would like this is my ambition. Probably not for next year, but certainly it's something I think we could achieve in in the not too distant future that all media media will be traded through um, green media
0: solutions. Okay. Yeah. Nice ambition. Yeah. i was saying to you, what do you want? To see? Well, then, yeah, give me a year, year ahead. Yeah.
2: What can be achieved? What do you want to see be achieved? So I'm I'm optimistic. I'm I'm actually really optimistic about the direction this industry is going in. So. Uh, my personal goal, what I, I'd love to see is, and this this kind of speaks to my consulting background, when people make decisions, when they're designing tech stacks, when they're designing the plan, if you're an advertiser, who, whoever you are in this industry, when you're making a data-driven decision, carbon should be one of those factors that's part of that decision-making process. If we could rewind 10 years and redesign this industry in, in carbon was something we considered. The industry wouldn't look like it does now. Mm, yeah. So, you know, okay, it's too late to do that, but let's do that going forward. Secondly, I think what we're going to see is brands are going to start to commit a portion of their budget. They're going to say, right, this year, we're going to spend 5%, 10 15% of our budget on green media products because that's how we can drive decarbonization of our supply chain and of the digital advertising industry. So spend to shift and then also spend to shift from... Um, high carbon, high polluting sites uh, towards more efficient, low carbon sites, so that, that kind of aspect of spend shift as well. I think, put those three things together, decision making, that's carbon driven, spend shift towards low carbon, and spend shift onto green media. If we can start to to get that right, we're going to seriously dent the carbon footprint of this industry in a very positive way. I love that just carbon decision
0: making. Richard, are you seeing that? Do you see that? Potentially that possibility of that that carbon is making part of everything we do
1: yeah starting to see that already um i think uh, a lot of the you know, big agency holding companies and, and no doubt a lot of the leading independent agencies are starting to make those commitments and obviously being quite public about it i saw uh, was it this week or last week that dentsu said they would like to see for next year there are media budgets and there's also carbon budgets um so i think we will start to see a lot of that start to to come through as well
0: well, I think that's lovely, lovely well, way to end it. Thank you both so much. That was an absolutely fascinating conversation and congratulations for both of you for being right at the front of this hugely important issue. Thank you so much for joining me. Richard, thank you and Harvin. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks, Justin. And thank you for listening. Goodbye.
2: This podcast is a new Digital Age production. New Digital Age is part of the Blue Stripe Group, the communications group for the digital industry. Please go to www.bluestripegroup.co.uk for more information.